All right, and we are live. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Confessions of a Native Son. Had to pull my co-producer, Mr. Mike Lloyd, from behind the track to jump on the podcast with us today as we chop it up, man. A lot of exciting things going on in, in both our lives and both our worlds. And so it's always a pleasure to get my brother on here uh, to chop it up with me, man. What's going on, Mike? Nothing much. Just living life, trying to make moves happen. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting on here with you, my brother. Man, let's let's go ahead and let everybody know, man. You flexing on the gram, letting everybody know about your uh, your big crowdfund raise. Why don't you let them know? Yeah, man. Look, listen, don't call me. Put 100K in the bank. I'm very grateful. I mean, obviously, it's even some of the listeners on this podcast who invested in Dope Coffee. So thank you. Uh, what this means uh, for a Black-owned business to be able to raise investment dollars, it's a lifeline, right? It, it, is, a, it is a way to secure our financial future. Um, any, any entrepreneurs out there that are looking at how to access capital, I highly recommend you guys take a look at investment crowdfunding. It is, it is the way to access capital in the future. Oh, man. I don't even know. Like, you're maybe like one of the first, I don't know, black founders I know to raise capital the way you've done it, uh, especially mm -hmm. on the crowdfund campaign. And you've laid out the blueprint blueprint because we got another brother of ours who's kicking ass and taking names, to be quite frank, implementing the same model. And I tell you, when I looked at his stuff, I was like, man, that looks just like your stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the, the key, man. Like when you. There has to be more than just talk about access to capital. You got to have a strategy. And, and on the real, Mike, this is not my first. I mean, you know this, Mike. This is not my first time trying to raise capital, right? This is attempt number four. The first three epic failures, right? Didn't even get to 5% of my goal. Mm. So we had lessons learned, right? We had to, we, we definitely put more into the prep. Um, we put more into building the audience, connecting with the right people. But, uh, yeah, man, I'll, I'll be honest, man. It was a it was a journey, but also, man, it's a huge accomplishment for my team, man. You talking about cat straight out the hood? <laughs> we put hundred k in the bank, bro. We put hundred k in the bank on an idea, right? Yeah. We put hundred k in the bank on an idea. I'm very proud of us for that. Yeah, I, you know, I remember your old video, your old crowdfunding video for Solar Cafe after that hurricane came through. And and no dollars came in for that, right? Because because uh, I'm gonna tell you what it is, man sympathy is only going to get you so far in life, right? Yeah. Conversation we were having earlier, you're talking about traction. I took an idea. I got it on the ground. I got the ball rolling. And that was enough. Once I could establish that traction, I had some verifiable proof of what I was doing. Um, the rest was just process, right? Go through the process. But you got to know the process to go through it, quite frankly. And that's why I talk a lot about, hey, I just spent the last year learning a new language, right? I'm actually not talking about loans. I'm talking about convertible notes now. These are both debt type offerings, but until you know the lingo and understand which one is going to put you at risk and which one is healthy for you, man, you'll keep making the same bad decisions. So, but this is where I'm looking forward to what you're doing with Thrive. This is what I'm looking forward to the Black Sheep Accelerator, so we can break down these walls, man. Folks, folks just need the knowledge. There's not a lack of effort out here in communities of color in terms of entrepreneurship. There's a knowledge gap. It's a small knowledge gap too, right? I'm not, I'm, people are ready to rock and I'm looking forward to being part of that solution. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. hundred percent. So Mike, you know what we do on this show? We come on here, we give a little confession. I know you're riding on cloud nine right now. Uh, go ahead and get, let our audience know a confession though. Let them know something you're struggling with, personal, professional, whatever. I'll get into it, right? So America is having this social justice awakening and I 
as a black man who has often been at the receiving end of a lot of the negativity in terms of social justice, I must confess, man, there are far more Americans than I thought who are about a better future, right? And, and let me get straight to the point. Quite frankly, there are more white people that are here to be allies and to support us than I realized. And that's a great thing. And when a, when a guy like me realizes that, even though I may have been pushing against that community for a while, what you do is you embrace it. So that, that's my confession, man. Like none of us are beyond learning new things. None of us are beyond um, having things revealed to us that we maybe were already prejudiced against. Right? So that's my confession. Um, I look forward to building more community, quite frankly. I like it. And we were just having this conversation about that social maturity piece. You know, it's like we can have perception about certain groups, certain demographic, but until you interact with that group or something, you might not even know, to be honest. And like we, I remember when you first started Dope Coffee, right? It was like black owned, black investments, you know, not blackity black, but you was, you were stepping out in that space. And what ended up happening? We was like, man, people ain't, black people ain't investing. What's going on? You know, you made a flip. You made a flip. You start mobilizing around the veteran community. A lot of veterans came out, showed some love, got you an office space in Atlanta. And it's just like, whoop, took off. There you go, man. So that's what, like, like the folks like to throw these terms around diversity and inclusion. And and I, I definitely get where society's going with it. But here's, here's what I think you're getting at. I, I already had access to networks that I didn't realize. And I wasn't taking any advantage. I was already included. Maybe I had to look away from some other situations where I was not included, where I wanted to be included, but I was already included in other places. And what you got to do is, man, what they, they teach you this in the Marine Corps, boom, where you're planted. Yeah. So I realized there was fertile soil somewhere else. I went there. Right. I wonder if that works both like with our fraternities and stuff, too. You think that's still untapped potential or nah, they're not supported like the, the veteran space. What do you think? What do you mean? Like, like, like played it out a little bit more like our we have a lot of organizations we're associated with we got fraternities we've got uh groups we grew up as a part of you know do you think those represent untapped resources as well like i know for me i haven't done the best job of like working with my own fraternity right because i just been so busy with ironbound now i have my chapter but there's so many other chapters out here you know and i wonder if that still applies too yeah, man, I, I definitely think that, it, and let's just, we could dial it in specifically on Black Greek organizations. Here, here goes my quick thoughts on it. Black Greek organizations, they mostly have a social mission. And I think for the most part, we do a good job of fulfilling that mission or, or achieving that mission. I think there is more that can be done. However, here's the key. You and I are pioneers, right? Yeah. So even though I've learned Kappa history and understand that, you know, there have been some very successful entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurship is still new in black culture, right? Well, not new, excuse me, I take that back. It's still um, unproven in terms of we haven't been allowed to get all the way to the finish line yet, right? Um, I think the role of these black organizations will become more and more clear as time goes along, right? This is a cultural awakening, right? Everybody changed. If we look at anything the way it was happening last year, we're missing something, right? You look at a decade ago, you're certainly missing it, right? Every day is new in America right now. This is this is probably the most exciting time now. And I say that with great deference to the tragedies that are going on. Those tragedies were, frankly, always happening, though. Right. And so with that, I feel like this is one of the greatest time periods to be a Black American. We're going up. 
Yeah, plus we get to see so many, like, even in the NBA, right? Like, you got basketball players picking their teams based on the entrepreneurial community investments and stuff they can make, you know? Like, L.A. has kind of always been that hot spot. But, you know, everybody was saying, yo, LeBron went out west to film Space Jam and do some other media projects, you know? You got KD out there. Everybody's like, oh, man, he went to Golden State. But he's also got his own investment firm out there. So I think there's just this, like you said, this awakening of entrepreneurship in the black community and people want to have an opportunity to participate in it. Yeah, definitely. One thing I want to talk about, you know, before I give my confession too, is remember when you first started, like, I think in our community, sometimes we can think that like a $250 investment ain't a lot, you know, or a $500 investment isn't a lot, but you launched that crowdfund campaign and you said you can invest today for as little as $250 on that convertible note. And you got people that were commenting on your social. Like, I just made my first investment. You know, that pride of being able to call themselves an investor. Because when you got, you know, when you're making $2,000 a month and you give up $250 to an idea, a dream, man, that capital is like 10 x Bro, and what, and here's what folks don't understand. So if you're making 2 k my investor's making 2 k a month payroll, that means that they living off of that. So when you give me 250 and you invested it in a like with that same mindset, if you can make it off of 2K a month and you giving me 10% of that, I should be able to take that in a hundred exit. And quite frankly, we started with no money. <laughs> so every dollar, every dollar in is just like, shit. I mean, I've already I've been in the black since day one, right? Because I had nothing to start with. Yeah, um, man. Somebody got to pay for them labels. Somebody got to pay for that website domain, that hosting. You know, that $250 go a long way. And, and so that's another thing too, right? Like when you look at what community you come from, like for me, my first venture ever, I started with $34 and I ended up with 5K in my pocket in a matter of weeks, right? Very legal. Everything I did was 100% above board. And so we got to start realizing too, and this this is also pointing at me and you, Mike, when we go out into the world and we seek to help others, we can't start coming in with this big corporate mindset that says, oh, you got to have a million before. And I've been told that, oh, you're, you're not even raising cash until you do a million. It's like, well, guess what, bro? I haven't raised a million and my revenues are 10x what yours are with that million dollars you raised. So yeah, man, it's a, we, I call it coffee trapping on Venus for a reason. Different planet, different rules. It may look like we're doing the same thing, but we're doing two totally different things. Yep. So I guess it's my turn to give a confession and this is going to tie into the theme of today's show, which is my, why Mike is Mike had to jump on here. And uh, my confession is that, man, I was really banking on getting this Echo and Green Fellowship. It was my third year applying. And if I got it, I was going to get 80K unsolicited grant to basically cover my living expenses for two years while I built up Ironbound Boxing. And so I had plans to get this grant, to get this fellowship. I was banking on it for the social clout it would give me, for the funds it would give me. And I even came on this podcast and said I was going to be a 2020 Echo and Green Fellow. And then over this past like year, you know, my girlfriend's been telling me, you're going to be Echo and Green Fellow. You're going to be Echo and Green Fellow. I've been telling myself that. And I also had plans of how I was going to use that cash. It was like, yo, once I get that fellowship, the first hire I'm doing is hiring me a vec- uh, executive assistant. I said I was going to talk about entrepreneurship. You remember this, Mike? I was like, yo, I'm going to start stepping out more into the entrepreneurial space. And I didn't get the fellowship. I found out last week while hustling, like I'm launching this Thrive initiative. You know, I'm taking meetings back to back. And I just remember when the email came in. I was like, I was down, man. I had to teach a boxing class like 
45 minutes later. And I was just like, today ain't the day. But the reason I bring it up, man, because yeah, I was down, but it's also this idea like, man, I know deep down, man, nobody's going to save you. You know, and honestly, I think I was looking a little bit for out. I was looking for an edge, you know, a crutch. Because there's being an entrepreneurship, right? We're laughing and we're joking. But yo, there are many times we call each other and it's like, Mike, I'm out. <laughs> this is it. I'm out. You know, um, especially over this last year. And so for me, man, I've been hustling. I'll be quite frank, man. I've been hustling my ass off. Keep the business alive. Keep the dream alive from COVID. People shut down. Economy's hurting. And I'm just like, yo, man, just please, for the love of God, let me get this echo and green. And deep down, I'm going to tell you, I knew it was being a crutch because I related back to boxing. Anytime I was in a boxing match, right? And then at the end of the fight, after the third round, you know, you take off your gloves and they bring you to the center of the ring. Anytime I'm standing there with the referee and I'm like, please let me win, <laughs> you know, please, you know, just hoping that you get the, get the dub, it never happened. The only time it happened when I was like, not even desperate on it. Just kind of like that sense of like, y'all know who won. What's up? Then they raise your hand and it's victory. But I felt myself with this echo and green thing being like, please, you know, please let me get it. You know, please let me get it. But I didn't get it. And I have to eat it, you know, but also keep it moving. And that's the thing that we're going to touch on today is this idea of like, look, man, at the end of the day, right, you can't skip the hard work. You know, because that would catch up at some point, right? There's a lot of stuff in my business that I need to do to step out of it. So I don't have to be so much in the day-to-day -day doing it, doing it, doing it, you know, making stuff work independently of me. And I think without, if I was getting that fellowship, I might not really have to focus on it as much. But like now, because my feet are to the fire, like I know the stuff I have to do and I got to just push through and get it done. It's super tedious. It's not necessarily like within my zone of genius. But it's also part of the process. It's like, yo, Mike, you've been spinning on this hamster wheel. You want to get off this hamster wheel and level up as an entrepreneur and step into your greatness. You got to master this craft of building businesses that can operate independently of you. And you know what, man, that's actually so to me, I call that business maturity right there. Uh, I mean, like you know my story. I made a million bucks and was broke as hell, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like I had to mature up, and I had to do all those things that you talked about, right? Build those processes around myself and around my business. Um, yeah, but I'm, you know what, man? Just going back to the Echo and Green story, man. I tell you, because I was sitting around, I was waiting. I was like, Mike ain't hit me up yet, <laughs> right? I want. I wonder, did he get it? Um, and the minute you told me that you didn't get it, my mind immediately pivoted. I was like, oh, what is he going to do next? I was listening to you talk, but I was like, that shit don't matter. Because yeah. quite frankly, the minute you applied for Echo and Green, you were already prepared to take those steps. Who cares if Echo and Green? Because like the same for myself, right? When I prepared for investment, I was ready for investment. Didn't matter who it came from. I love it, man. Appreciate that. All right, before we get diver into this idea that no one's going to save you, let's go ahead and give a shout out to the sponsors, man. First, we got to give a shout out to Mike's company, the one and only Dope Coffee, a lifestyle brand that pairs urban black culture with innovative product offerings in the coffee industry. We're not a coffee brand for black people. We're a coffee brand that seeks to elevate black culture through a lifestyle of premium coffee and candid conversation. Next, we want to give a shout out to my brand, the one and only Ironbound Boxing, a fitness brand that utilizes the wellness benefits of boxing to transform communities individuals and corporate teams helping them thrive and realize their fullest potential proceeds from our services fund free boxing training 
entrepreneurial education, and employment opportunities for Newark youth and young adults. Shout out to the Dope Coffee and Ironbound Boxing super fans out there sipping some dope coffee while rocking an Ironbound Boxing mug in lit with the with a stack of books, ready for the ready for some engaging conversation, and is here for the culture. Shout out to our super fans. Y'all know who y'all are. Y'all shoot us the emails. Y'all show us love on IG. We just want you to know we appreciate you, and we appreciate you for investing in us. Whether you're donating to Ironbound or investing in Mike's uh, crowdfund campaign, man. Really appreciate y'all out there. All right. With that, with that said, let's jump right into the theme of today's show and pick it back up. No one is going to save you. I'll tell y'all, when I found out I didn't get Echo and Green and I was you know, low, I got a tattoo on my body, right? It's like on my abs. And it says, everything you need is already within. And I don't know if it's just like, you know, sometimes we, we have meanings, subliminal meanings and stuff from like years ago. And the answer is always there. I don't know if y'all read the book, The Alchemist, where he like goes, Paul Coachella wrote this book, The Alchemist. Dude wants to go find this treasure, right? So he goes off on this long journey, like takes like span of like 20 to 30 years. And once he gets to where the treasure was supposed to be, he finds a, because he had a map and he finds out the treasure was right next to him. It was next to him the whole time. So he had to go through that journey to find out that what he sought was right next to where he started from. And I kind of feel that with me in this tattoo. It's like, yo, the signs are there, Mike. You got everything you need to survive right now. I mean, not to survive, but to thrive. Yo, trust yourself and get after it. Hey, bro, that's real. Um, I think you and I had the exact same experience because, frankly, um, so go back to Solar Cafe for me, right? I'm, I'm riding with two cafes. Life is feeling good. They both get destroyed overnight. And I'm sitting around in this massive ass pity party, like, who's going to save me, right? That's why I'm doing all this. Please donate to my GoFundMe and this and that, right? Nobody donated. I mean, we had a couple <laughs> folks that donated. <laughs> Might have got about $300 to, to, you know, bill us out of that 30K hole we were in. But yeah, nobody was coming, right? And so what do you, what do you have to do, man? You just got to take the mindset that for you, you, you have the skills, the tools, and the resources. When I lost solar, I fell back on what was in me. I stopped rapping in college, right? That's 2006. Actually, I stopped right around 2008, right before I joined the Marine Corps. What is Dope Coffee? It's a hip hop brand. What do I do? I go into a studio and I rap and somehow that turns into more coffee sales, right? It's, it was already with me. It was already in me, right? And frankly, when I allowed that to come out of me, I saved myself, you know? Why do you think we look for these outside factors to kind of save us, whether it's like achieving professional goals or personal goals, this idea that's going to take someone else to get us to where we want to go? Because quite frankly, and, and, and this applies to everyone, but I'm also definitely speaking right now from the perspective of a black American is because we seek in validation. You wanted the Echo and Green stamp on you so you would be validated by Echo and Green, but in no disrespect to Echo and Green, but like, you don't need them, right? Like, obviously, because you didn't make it and you're still going up, right? So we're seeking validation in order. And I think for a lot of us, we don't. Uh, so this is one of the things my advisor told me. He said, man, you don't lack confidence. You think you could do any, everything in the world, but you don't believe that shit. And that's why none of it happens, right? Um, I think that's a big part of what it is. We seek validation from external sources because we don't have belief in self. Once you believe in self, Gives a fuck what anybody else thinks, right? No, I admit that too, because I was like, and the thing was when I first, so this is my third year applying for it. When my first year I applied, right, 
I was basing that fellowship off of me quitting my job to focus on Ironbound full time. And I remember sitting up at night, refreshing that email, bro. I stayed on that. I refreshed my email for like four hours the night we found out we were supposed to find out. And that's just that, that level of desperateness, you know, is so weak. <laughs> Yo, I wasn't sleeping. I just remember refreshing. And it's like, I got to answer that. Like I wasn't surprised from, you know, it's like, I went through that whole process just to find out what I already knew was that I probably didn't get it, which is why they didn't email me right away. Right. Um, but you know what I did, man, I quit my job anyway that year. But I remember being devastated because I was like, man, how the heck am I supposed to quit my job and do it? I had to adapt, man. I figured it out. And when the time came, I just said, screw it, man. I'm jumping out the plane with no parachute. I'll build it on the way down. So I applied. Applied the next year. Didn't get it. Applied this year. Made it to the finals. I did like, I had to do the, the first you had to apply. Then you had to get the second round, do the third round, do interviews, do all this kind of stuff. And still didn't get it. And I'll tell you, man, like part of me too was nervous about like getting my hopes up. You know, but I did it anyway. You know why? Because that's a coward thing to do. You know, you should go in this stuff wanting to win, expecting to win, right? Not going yeah. in there. It's like, oh, please. Well, you know, I'm not going to get my hopes up that way. If I don't get it, mm, I didn't care anyway. You know, and I think that's just like a, I've been told that that is a weak way to approach life. It's a very weak way to approach life. And I'm, that's not a criticism of you. It's because I've done the same thing, waiting hoping i fucking hate that word hope right because abused right it's like what are you hoping for let's say if you hope to raise a hundred thousand dollars okay and sit back now what if you just go try and raise 100k what what i also didn't realize mike and this is the same with you quite frankly i hope you applying for echo and green in 2021 because here's the thing right we aren't defined by our current moment in time right Unless you die a very early and tragic death, bro, like you could probably apply 20 more times, right? Like we are not defined by our current situation. That That's just one thing I've really started to realize. Because if you look at all my failed businesses and all my failed funding attempts, you would be like, well, how'd you put 100K in the bank? Because quite frankly, the day I hit publish, I was like, oh, that shit's a wrap. It's a wrap. Because I came into the game ready to TKO anything that came my way. That's why I was telling you, Mike, I was talking all cocky. I ain't got time to be pitching no investors, bro. Read the deck. If you want it, invest. Don't, don't invest. <laughs> he was, yo. <laughs> yo, I was blowing Mike up. Mike, we doing this, man. Shut up, man. I'm rapping. That's what he'd be like. Like, for real. But he really is cocky, man. Y'all don't know him like I know him, man. My man is cocky. He'd be, yo, especially when sales was rolling in post uh, this month, all that revenue they were bringing in, Mike was cocky. But, you know, I think when you're younger, you get taught to like look down on that. You know, it's like, don't be cocky. Don't be this, be this passive, whatever. But the guys that are winning out there are kind of hungry. You know what I mean? They speak their truth. Don't say kind of. They are. The most, they eating folks for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And here's the problem with American society. See, I'm a meat eater. I'm actually kind of a vegan, but you get what my point where I'm going with that. I'm, I won't even call myself an A-type personality. I'm not. I'm kind of, I like to slide through the cracks, to be honest with you. But then I'm also a great person at pretty much everything. And if you don't have that kind of mindset and you start telling yourself, oh, I got to be humble. Imagine if LeBron James was like, nah, don't dunk on these fools from the free throw line. You wouldn't be watching the greatest basketball player of all time, right? Tiger Woods never went out there and was like, nah, I'm not going to hit this birdie right now. Maybe I'll go bogey. Nah, bro. He was trying to hole in one off the tee, right? 
That's not wrong with that, bro. When we go into combat, when we go into combat, we expect annihilation. I took that same mindset to business. And I want to tie this back to the to the topic because because in combat, bro, the thing the I am not glorifying violence or combat when I say this, but the but the thing about it is when you're out there, the rounds going out, rounds coming in, literally, no one is coming to save you. It is you, your skills, your tactics, and your training versus whatever's opposing you. That mindset taken to everyday life, it puts you in what? A fighting position. It puts you in a fighting hole. It's do or die, right? And that's kind of where you are right now. That's where I am right now. The reason, so when I tried to ask for 10K in donations, I had 30K in the bank. You feel me? Yeah. When I had zero in the bank, I asked for 100K, right? Because I had to have it and there was no going home without it. I don't know, man. This, this is the way I think about these things. Now, You things that you expect, they happen, right? They just happen. Yeah. I want to pick back up on that, but I want to, I want to pick up back first on what we just talked about with the whole confidence thing. Cause like this social maturity, right? I don't, I fucking hate Kanye West. I'm going to put it on there. I'm not a Kanye West fan. I was an OG Kanye West fan. Like, you know, college dropout, Kanye West, graduation, Kanye West. This version of Kanye West, I'm not really a fan of, right? Because I just don't think he speaks for the culture, to be quite frank, you know? But I will say this, all right? My man said he's running for president, right? <laughs> I know, listen, it's crazy. I know, man, he wants to run for president. But man, like, damn, dog, he thinks he can win. Who am I to knock that? You know, how many people are willing to put that themselves in that situation? And we're the type to kind of look at that and be like, Man, he's crazy. That will never happen in a million years, you know? But as long as he really thinks he can win, yo, I can't I can't knock him for that, you know? And I think there's something I kind of appreciate in that aspect of somebody who doesn't put who does who breaks down walls, you know? Who constantly tells people you can't box him in, you know? And I think for us a lot of times when people do that, they're projecting, you know, because they could never see themselves making those moves. Now, listen, when I laughed, I actually wasn't laughing at Kanye West running for president so much as I just don't really have much respect left for our political system at this anymore, right? I was very quick to dismiss Kanye's presidential run the day it dropped. However, when I started reading the Facebook posts and messages from folks who attacked him, his character, called him an idiot. And I was like, wait, wait, hold up. This motherfucker is more successful than all of America. All of America. And he pulled himself up from his, by his own, he invented bootstraps, put them in his shoes that he also invented, right? Called Yeezys. And he's doing his thing. I, it's, you know, why do you have to bring up Kanye West though, man? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Kanye fan. Kanye I don't know if I, I don't, I don't want to say anything else about Kanye. I, I love his confidence. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying in, you know, I'm just, I'm personally not the biggest fan of him, but in terms of somebody who's constantly pushing the limit of their own potential, right. I can never really knock that right now. Sometimes I might get on here and disagree with him, but in this instinct, the idea, cause I think we're all, when we were young, we all talked about being president and being governor, <laughs> you know, and the fact of like, being an adult, all of a sudden people want you to dumb down that greatness. So kudos to the man that still steps up and says, hey, I want to be president one day. Throw my name in the hat. 
And isn't it interesting how we can always like appreciate talents and characteristics that make one person successful, but knock them in another one? Like whether it's like an Adrian, Pre not Adrian Peterson. What's the guy from, uh, uh, is it Adrian Peterson? Not Adrian Peterson. Who was the football player that got sent out to Oakland? And who had a whole situation where he was like, he had something on his foot, his his helmet. Then he got sent to New England. Then they cut him from New England. I know he's talking about. I can't think of his name. What's the guy's head. name, man? I'm drawing. Well, hey, but but actually, if we could stay on this topic for a second, right? Because 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 here's the thing: when you talk, man, hopefully no folks get offended by the religious um, reference that I use here. See, Kanye West believes himself to be his own God. That's where that ultimate form of confidence comes from. What's interesting to me is, and this is actually the scary thing about Kanye West, I see that same characteristic in Donald Trump today, right? I, in fact, I almost say, to, to say you're going to run for president of the United States, I mean, you got to have a lot of self-confidence and a lot of self-belief, right? Um, so I'm, I'm with that. I just, um, it, it scares me, though, in terms of, how people look at the office of the presidency okay they 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 look at it like it's a contest as opposed to a set of qualifications for the well-being of our country but you know yay the rapper yay the producer 808s and heartbreak yeah i'm with all that yeah so let's keep going on this idea of like no one's gonna save you um you mentioned it before with like the whole solar cafe thing and that you know challenge of doing that crowdfund campaign Mentally, though, what was the shift for you with this one? You said it was just like there was no other option but to succeed. Or was it just like, I don't know, putting everything together from your past and just really getting after it and doing the work? It was a lot of things. Being tired of failing is was what's huge, right? And you talking about nobody saving you. Um, the, the problem, not necessarily, not necessarily the problem, but if you look at American society and you look at how we, we raise kids and how we tell people to be prepared for the world, we're always expecting someone to do something, right? To help us, to further us. Uh, I started becoming far more cynical, right? Now, I know a lot of folks, may, they may not, they may listen to this and, and hear negativity, but when I started taking the approach of, no, my community actually is not going to support my ideas, then that made me cross another line, right? Made me cross another hurdle that said, well, if my community won't do it, who will? Okay, if these guys won't do it, who will? Um, that that mindset, man, was also compounded by the fact that, quite frankly, I had about 12 days worth of money. And I mean, for me, for my family, for my wife, for my children, for my mortgage, everything. And so yeah, I remember you had I remember you had 30 days back in January. You got 30 days. Yes, brother. And, um, you know, there. what it is when you say no one's going to coming to save you, what you're saying is, is where is your internal resolve? Where is it? what level is it? At? It's always there. Right. As humans, we we are built to survive. We are built to actually be here and thrive. That's what we do as humans. We constantly improve our situation. The real question is, is how hard are you going to go for that and how fast, right? Because you can get very comfortable really quick. Even right now, man, I, I still don't have a paycheck yet, but I got a couple more dollars in the bank than I had, you know, a few months ago. And I'm like, no, it's not time to slow down. And as a matter of fact, we're going to put 100 you know, gallons of gas in its tank and then hit the gas as fast as possible. Um, it just, it had to be internal, right? I, I, I would like to think that in the future, I don't need to be this desperate to keep this mindset, though. Um, 
that's I think that's the maturity that comes with crossing some of those hurdles. So I want to give a little philosophical with you real quick, because uh, it sounds like everything we're saying with this whole no one's going to save you. We sound pretty conservative right now, like pick yourself up by your own bootstraps and, and this and that. And one of the things I've kind of been thinking about lately, like, do you think when people say this, this idea of like, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps, don't rely on anybody else. Do you think one of the reasons that people of color, particularly black people get offended when people from our community try to tell us this stuff about ourselves and the challenges we face without acknowledging the fucking obstacles they constantly put in front of us? Is that why we get offended? It can't really rock and say like, hey, this is a real conservative mindset. Well, like, look, man, I put a Facebook post out there the other day because that that phrase pisses me off. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Because I said, hey, you say pull myself up by my bootstraps. And this was a reference to the 1960s. But I was like, but can I get a zoning permit? Right. That what folks don't understand is, especially for for the person of color in America, there's so many folks don't have bootstraps. They don't have boots. Right. They're barefooted with blisters. That's where they're starting. First, they're going to need a little foot massage. Right. Get your ego and your confidence back up. I, I, I definitely get why people feel that way. But here's what's different, man. You and I are talking from a position of compassion because what I because 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 man, listen. If you are in a situation where no one is coming to save you, the worst thing you can do is feed that person some bullshit hope, right? And and I got a huge issue with people doing that, right? I have folks in my family who just keep telling me everything's going to be all right, Michael. Like, really? That's how I work. No, man, my bank account is going to keep going down if I don't do something, right? Um, it is not, you've heard that phrase, right, used, and a lot of times it's coming across cultures, right? Yeah. Folks are saying, pull yourself up from your bootstraps like I did, like my family did. We came to America and made something for ourselves. Well, yeah, you was also allowed to own land, right? That's, that's a huge part of it. My family was not. And so if, if you're telling me to pull myself up by my bootstraps, it's going to require some support, quite frankly. Um, and I know that you, 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 you nixed this topic, right? Affirmative action was not going to be on the table, but I'm going to go ahead and broach the topic, right? I'm, were you going to bring it up? Nah, go ahead. Now nah, you already, you had pulled it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna the topic, man. Cause, cause here's goes, here goes the thing about affirmative action. America is finally starting to acknowledge the sins of its past. And if you just even own the internet, or if you're looking at it right now, you're like, well, wait, now that I think about it, how the hell was Mike ever going to be starting at the same place as, you know, whoever from the suburbs? It just never was going to happen. Affirmative action can be looked at as, oh, man, it's, you're, well, you're, you're helping unqualified people. Do I look unqualified to you? It's like, no, fool, I'm more qualified. What you don't realize is I can't fill the application out the same way as you because I have none of your advantages, right? Because if we just want to talk about performance, right, skip standardization, skip tests, skip credit scores, skip all that bullshit, all of a sudden, the playing field would be looking a lot more equal. So, sure, you got to have affirmative action when you have all these fake-ass standards, right, to keep people out. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that because affirmative action, two generations ago, that was called giving them a foot massage. Affirmative action a generation ago was called giving them boots. Affirmative action today in 2020. I want folks to hear me very clearly on this. It means not snipping their bootlaces once they finally get them tied. That's what it means, right? That's what affirmative action means. Sure, you may look at that as a handout. I look at it as, listen, bro, 
we're all a part of America. We're all here to make it great. When you pay taxes and it goes to the highway system, you don't go, oh man, I made 400K and you made 20K. You should only get the drive on the shoulder of the road, right? No, we access the system equally. Affirmative action is getting us there. It's providing bootstraps. If you expect a black America, and this is, look, if you expect a black America in 2021 to, fuck it, I'll say the next term that I despise, to reduce our level of black on black crime, well, crime is a symptom of poverty. Let me keep my bootstraps on so I can unfuck my own community. You feel me? I will build my own boots. I'll tie them up and lace them if allowed to thrive. If y'all can't tell, Mike was fired up. He begged me to get on this podcast. I told him, I was like, man, we're not talking about affirmative action. And there he goes. And the only reason I didn't want to talk about it because I know people hear affirmative action and they get all excited and whatever, like their statistics. So I didn't want to throw it out there because I, I plan to dedicate a whole episode to it. But here's what I will say. Like, uh, um, I think sometimes people have this misconception that like the narrative is always told, like that the the unqualified black applicant, you know, gets an opportunity he doesn't deserve. No one hears about the fucking MIT grad, you know, that's got like an MBA, got a, a something else from MIT, wanting to start our own business. He can't even get a meeting. You know, you won't even get him a 10K line of credit. That's crazy. You know why he's got credit issues right now? Because he's paying off that 200K, whatever, to go to MIT. And you can't get him a meeting. You know, you don't want to cut him a line of credit for his business. What do you think that means for these other kids out here that don't come from that background? They don't stand a chance. And my thing with affirmative action is, yo, we were taught for so long that affirmative action is our problem, that they put it on us as people of color, as black people. Affirmative action isn't our problem. It's your problem. You know, can you feel comfortable looking around a room and saying, hey, we don't have 99% of people in that are in this room are not people of color. We don't have one black person here. We don't got one black company on our account. You know, we don't have anybody in this university that is African-American, right? And if you're comfortable with that environment that's not really preparing people for the real world because we know the real world is diverse and colorful and people from a whole bunch of different backgrounds, if institutions and organizations are comfortable with that, then hey, that's on them, but that ain't on us. Affirmative action is your problem. Well, let me challenge, let me, let me not challenge you, my bad. Let me, let me add to that. Cause I often think, cause, cause sometimes even with that argument that you just made right there, here's the question I ask people about affirmative action. It's like, Hey bro, are you comfortable not having the most talented people on your team? Because that's what you, that's exactly what's happening when the plate, when, when you look out into a disadvantaged America and you just say, Hey, here are the metrics. You got to do this to get in. And you already know that they're starting a hundred yards behind in a 200 yard dash that you already know that you're not getting the most talented because, because here's what, here's the other part, right? I barely graduated from undergrad, right? Barely graduated. But if you look at where I was coming from, I was catching everybody at the rapid rate. You feel me? Obviously I'm 36 now and I've passed all those people. But a lot of folks would have, even the Marine Corps, some folks in the Marine Corps try to argue, oh, you're affirmative action. It's like, yeah, but I'm still better than you guys. It doesn't change the fact, right? And actually, I wasn't. Actually, actually, a lot of times what they don't even realize is that we're actually still just as qualified, if not more qualified. Like, they, I just wish that a lot of this data was more public, 
right? Even my undergrad at Wake Forest University, I thought I was dumb going to school there, which is why I barely graduated. Come to find out, once I get older and I'm on the graduate side of the house, oh man, your GPA was in the top 80% of the school. Oh, I didn't know that. Because you guys made me feel like I wasn't qualified because everything about who I was was not valued, right? We can get into that later, man. No, I mean, that's a good point because I keep using the MIT. I personally know... A Navy veteran that's got an MBA from NYU, got a master's from uh, MIT. I think he did his undergrad at MIT, actually. Got his mat, got his MBA at NYU. But again, can't even get a fucking meeting. You know, like that's, to me, that's crazy. Like, who are y'all looking at? You know, mm-hmm. who do you expect to walk in off the street with these credentials? You know, that like, I ain't going to tell you about another call we had today because he identified some candidates that were like superheroes in our community, to be quite frank. And I mean, he, I mean, they were it, almost yeah, they were, say that again. They were almost a joke. They were almost considered a joke too. And I'm just like, how can this be possible? Like, we don't really like stand a chance. And it goes back to that thing. And I think that's why so many black people walk with this chip on their shoulder or do walk with this certain level of confidence when they do achieve a certain level of success, because no one, like literally no one helped them on the way up. You know, they didn't have any doors. They had nothing but closed doors in their face. You know, I can speak to that with Ironbound, man. So many, and I've showed you the emails. Mike, drop the social mission. Drop the social mission. You know, like just focus on the for-profit. And I'm like, I'm not comfortable doing that. That's not who I am. So I finally quit asking people for permission. I quit pitching and I just put my ideas out there in the universe. And I say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is my plan for doing it. And I get out there and I start painting the fence. Now, occasionally people start coming along and want to paint the fence next to you, but they're not saving you. You know, they're supporting you. It's still me going through that mental hurdle of understanding that like, hey, it's on you, you know, and that's what we're doing with this, you know, entrepreneur program that we've launched called Thrive is like, <laughs> have my buddy on the call today. And he's like, we got to focus on raising capital. I was like, Tom, nobody is giving these guys capital. It ain't happening. You know, if we can give them capital, Right. But outside of that, we need to prepare them to enter a market and an economy where no one is saving them and they need to start generating sales like today. Absolutely. That's the best way. I mean, honestly, man, save your damn self, bro. Like that's what that's what that bro. My EP is about saving yourself. And and there's, there really isn't even a huge race connotation to this. But, you know, I, I, I named it the Black Jesus EP for a reason. Right. Because, see, Black Jesus and I'm not talking about like actual race and Jesus and Christianity, he would just operate different. He'd be like, right, nobody coming to help me. I'm gonna get this shit done on my own. That's black Jesus. You know, folks need to be comfortable getting things done on their own. Folks need to be comfortable not getting supported. Folks need to be comfortable saying that if I am to be saved, it's going to be self-saving. Now that, like I said, that sounds very cynical, but being cynical like that gets the hundred K in the bank. Going out into the world like, love me, love me, love me, that gets you laughed at. All right, so let me ask you this question. If we go out there and we say this publicly, right, and we tell, you know, we get we got this platform, and they're like, hey, Mike, and Mike and Mike, we want y'all to get this TED Talk, and we want to talk black people, ain't nobody saving you. You got to do this, this, and that. Will we get accepted for that mentality, or will we get crucified for it? Will people... Uh, huh? By who? Get, cruci- get accepted or crucified by... By our people, people of color. I think now... Uh, if we would have said this three years ago, I think it would have been lukewarm reception, right? It would have been a lukewarm reception in 2020. 
post George Floyd, I think everyone is ready for this message. I think Black America in particular is looking at this whole situation like, nah, ain't nobody about to save us from this shit. We're gonna do it for ourselves. That, I mean, I, that, that's how I'm looking at this situation. It, it is, it, it's not so much that the people wanna hear that shit. Nobody wanna hear that, man. I, I want the feel good story right now. I think people are grounded in reality though, right? The reality is that like, you know, as black Americans, we, we are facing some very uh, exigent circumstances in terms of just being citizens. And I think that most of us recognize that and accept it now, right? You had a lot of folks, a lot of black folks who were still willing to look at America and go, it ain't that bad, you know? Yeah. Really? No, it's, it, it is what it is. And I'm not saying, um, look, I'm, you know me, Mike. I still personally think America is the greatest country on this earth. Still not without criticizing, though, right? Still, still not too good for criticizing. I think Black folks are ready for that message because, quite frankly, yeah, I don't want to broach the topic of religion, but we have had a lot of our faith and trust in institutions that won't save us, right? Self-determination is a, is a phrase for a reason. I think I think about that in so many different aspects of like America too, whether it's education, you know, which is why I'm like, yo, man, I sound pretty because I'm not really conservative, but I probably sound conservative, you know, because this idea of like, yo, man, why are you trusting other people to educate your children? It ain't they're not going to teach them what they need to know. And you speak to this because we talk about what you're doing with your kids, you know, homeschooling them teaching them about business. You know, we're like, yo, why do they need to learn this random topic that they're never going to utilize in life? You know, I have more confidence in you. I mean, you have more confidence in you and your wife's ability to teach your kids the important stuff they need to know. Yeah, because like on the real, man, my children don't need all this. Like, (laughs) what is that shit going to do for them? Quite frankly, we need to be preparing our children to be adults, not to be children in American society. That's that's not going to benefit us at all benefit us at all um I, what was that thing you just said right before because uh, you were talking about con- yeah being conservative yeah. here's I'm gonna, I'm gonna rip the veil back for I'll a snap. here we go yeah if if the republican party wasn't so fucking racist you would have a shit ton of black people just morph yeah. over why why do i say that we're a very conservative culture we actually believe in all of those same principles we just can't get down with the like the statues and the flags and all that other dumb shit they be doing. <laughs> yeah. We are, yeah, are conservative. I've actually said this so many times. I'm like, guys, Black Americans are not voting Democrat because they're super liberal. And in fact, man, like I have been disappointed at how conservative and intolerant sometimes that my own community can be. And so. You know, it's a, I think that's one of those situations in America right now where the word conservative is dirty. Yeah. But I am conservative in terms of, you know, that fiscal conservatism that says I determine my own future. Because if, if not, what does that mean? I am dependent. Yep. And I don't have a problem with people de- being dependent, except for as a black American how the fuck are you going to depend on America at large for anything? No. So skip all that. Yes. We're going to figure out how to make boots here soon, you know? Yeah. I was thinking about this. So I got, um, you know, I used to work at a private school here in town. I ran the residence hall. So I lived on campus with 70 plus teenage boys. And I had a young man reach out to me um, the other day. He's got some mental issues and stuff he's struggling with. 
And the thing I just, it, it, it breaks my heart because I know what these kids are up against, you know? And I just know that like, no matter how bad or dire the situation may seem, that at the end of the day, they are going to have to pull themselves up out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, maybe that's why like too, when you think about us as like black men, we meet older black men sometime and they're always so hard on us, Mike. You know, we'd be like, damn, man, I just, can I get a hug? You know, can you, can you tell me some words of confidence? But it's just this sense of like hardness, you know? And what they're really doing is they're trying to prepare us for a world that we haven't experienced yet. This world where no one is going to throw you a bone, where this, even if, even when you perform, people still might not think you're competent enough, you know? And just understanding that, that challenge they're up against and you can't come from it. Like you will get, you cannot survive in this world as a black man with a weak mentality, you know, this idea, whether it's a stimulus, like you can't sit around and wait for a stimulus check to come save you and your family. You can't have a business and wait for the government's PPP loan to keep your doors open, right? Like, yo, man, you got to get out there and you got to fight and you got to grind it away over and over and over again, because no one is literally going to save you. The government's not going to save you. Your own family ain't going to save you. It's going to be on you. And I think as we know that it's like, we can't even have that that soft interaction with our young men and women because of that fact. So, so Mike, look, man, I'm I'm 100% with you in terms of because I experienced that, right? Just all that we call it tough love. Um, and I raised my kids like that to a degree. You know, my daughter is beautiful, 15 year old, and she is very critical of some things that I say to her. But I keep saying this one line to her. I've been saying it to her since she was a little kid. Like, it's a cold world out here, baby. Ain't nobody coming to save you, right? And she always thought that I was just being so negative about everything. Then she got older and went to high school. And then she started having some of these real interactions. And she was like, damn, people are really messed up. I'm like, well, yes, they are, babe. And that's what I meant when I've been telling you over and over. That's why I've been so strict on you and so tough. Um, however, I'm a, I, I will say this too. Is 2020. And that that landscape that existed that caused those black men and women and mothers, we're talking about, we're talking about raising kids hard, right? Uh, I don't necessarily see that as being the way forward now because you and I exist, right? And even though you know we feel like, hey, we're just a small bubble, there are pockets of us all around the country, which means a generation from now, there's going to be like this mindset will have proliferated, right? And, and, and when that happens, and because quite frankly, like with my boys, I, I am hard on them, but they get a lot of love as well. And that's kind of what was missing, right? When we were, we were coming, it's like, no, they're, they're still not, nobody's going to save you, but here, son, let me, I can be more gentle with them now and give them lily pads, right? To hop on. Whereas me, it was like, swim, boy, the shark's coming to get you. Right. No, no, nobody's throwing a lifeline back or like you know, leaving a trail of breadcrumbs and all this down to different stuff of like, hey, we're not going to hold your hand. We're not going to coddle you. But like, hey, we're going to point you in the right direction if it's whether it's a book, read this or do something. This idea, you know, because I, I struggle with it, too, man. You know, young man reached out to me and I want to do nothing but like, damn, man, it's like, I dog, you're, you're, you're 18, you're 19 now. You know, I know the world is a, I, I texted him, man. I said the world can be a hard place, but you're going to be all right. You got to know that you. You've got strength within you and you can persevere and you can push, you know, and cultivating that fighting spirit within them. And I think that's why I do boxing too, because boxing is like the prac app of that. 
You know, this idea of like, yo, I can coach you up. I can teach you how to throw the punches and the combos. But when you're out there and you're up against it and it's that third round and that guy ain't breaking down and he's cracking you, every blow hurts and it's painful. You've got to make the decision whether or not you're going to win that fight. I can't make that decision for you. You're going to have to go out there and do it. And so I think that's kind of like the same mentality that I have now. But it's, it, it's not as heartless as I say it was done towards us. Because there was never, it wasn't even trying to get an understanding. It's just like this sense of like, yo, man, why are you so mean? I can't even say the things on this show that were said to me as a young man. But looking back on it, I get it. Like, I get why they talk to me the way that they talk to me. Because if I would have came, if Mike Lloyd would have showed up into the world like, here I go, everything's lovely, body got ate up and spit out, you know? Yeah. Man, this is a good conversation, Mike. We got to get you on the podcast a little bit more. What are your, got any closing thoughts for our audience out there? Save yourself, right? Be, you, you, you have to be your own advocate, right? And what that means is like, like think about an advocate, not just like someone who's cheering for you. Think about an advocate like a judge, someone who, or excuse me, like a lawyer, someone who prepared, right, to defend you someone who prepared to argue your point, right? That's a whole different mindset because when, because when we say nobody's going to save you, it, being saved means you're in a dire situation, right? So if that's not going to happen, something else of, of, the, of a similar magnitude will have to happen, right? Has to happen from within. Um, the thing that I've learned is that all of us actually have that strength. But, but Mike, like you've been using that term zone of genius, you have to use it within your zone of genius. If not, you'll be just wasting your energy. So that's a, that's a thing for us too. As, as, and, and if I could, right, when we're talking about black entrepreneurship, bro, a lot of times we're talking about branding, right? We're talking about ideas. And so you have to be willing to really just know the game understand the lingo, understand, understand the financial landscape to be able to make it happen for yourself. I don't know, man, it's a, it's a cold world out here. And I know that I've, I've been saying it to my daughter for so many years, but it's like, man, you have to really, it's a, it's a choice. And I know me and you differ on this, but one thing that's been super impactful for me is the knowledge game. Now we've both been hustlers, right? We got our hustler MBAs, you know, we've taken stuff to market, on a shoestring budget, you know? I was with somebody yesterday, they are like, man, your company's really lean. I was like, yo, that's just how I, I've been rolling. Um, but I read a lot, a lot of books, a lot of audio books, podcasts or whatever, because again, I feel like for me, once I accepted that, it's like, it's on me to find the answer. You know, it's on me to figure it out. And one of the ways I do that is cultivating that knowledge. Now I understand what you, you don't have to read as much as many books, right? You just... You're a little bit further than me too, I think. Like again, yeah, I've read most of those books, right? Yep. And so, I mean, I dedicated two years of my life towards an MBA, and so there was a lot of knowledge. I actually, what? So, so I had a good friend who told me about the difference between being an input person and an output person, and how we can oscillate back and forth between those two types. When I'm in input mode, see, I, Mike, I, I'm the guy. I'll read 20, 20 books in in a month just to crunch all that knowledge. Right. But then what happens the next three months, yeah. you hear all of that come out back into the universe. You see it executed upon. Um, 
when also when I push back against maybe I'm more so pushing back against the status quo, yeah. the education that says this is how you do business. When I say like, well, that shit don't work for us, right? I find myself now I, I, I'm I'm going to not say that anymore in terms of not seeking new knowledge in business. I should say I'm changing my methods of of acquiring that knowledge. I find myself on Reddit in the sub forums more, right? Mm. I find myself shooting emails to folks and just getting responses that way and gaining some more firsthand and intimate knowledge, maybe knowledge that hasn't been put down in books yet, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, I'm just like a, a, there's a lot of people out there kind of like me. We're kind of like the self-help nerds, the business nerds, like always kind of looking for that edge. But one of the things I just kind of think about is like, we got so many people in our community that just aren't in the position we're in, you know? And I think we've been sold that dream of like the college education and you're going to do this. And, but I know people that got all that and still aren't happy, still don't feel like they're fulfilled, still not within, you know, their, their zone of genius. And so I'm like you, I push back on these traditional models that tell us what it takes to be successful, who's pushing out this information. But it's like, yo, if you're not happy where you are and you're trying to get to that next space, like what is the foundation people build upon to start making those moves? You know, like if I'm a kid in the projects and I live with my mom and I got five siblings and dad's not around, you know, and I don't got money to go to college, like what are they doing? How are they cultivating that spirit to put themselves in position? And I think sometimes, right, I think collectively, and I just don't see it in the marketplace. Yo, we need to, we need stuff out there that speaks to that kind of existence. That's not just the sense of like, oh, you know, <laughs> just say the mantra and it magically happens. But like, yo, I'm talking about like, yo, even in the self, and I've said this before, Mike, with business literature, booklet in general books in general yo we need more stuff that speaks to our culture and our existence right and it's like i will love there to be i don't know man for me found physical fitness is always a foundational no matter how low i'm game when i'm ready to start making moves get up you start that early morning workout mike you know you ain't got nothing else to do <laughs> yeah you're like yo let me get on the road at 5 30 start getting going and the next thing about that is like the reading piece you know, for me, it, and for some people, it might not be reading. It might be, you know, joining a, I don't know, business club or an accountability partner or something. But for me, that's always been that like foundation. Like when I'm, when I'm working out and I'm reading and I'm learning, yo, watch out. You know what it is, Mike? Here's the term. Well, first of all, it's andragogy, right? It's self-directed learning for an adult. Yeah. You don't need someone to put the curriculum because you know your problems in life, right? So this is this is where I'm definitely with you. Uh, what I heard you say right there about uh, needing to have that knowledge, frankly, for our communities, um, so much of this is still new. The fact that I'm one of the only people that you know in a for-profit that has raised capital at all, that like who the hell is gonna write the book for us then, right? Is like like the fact that Harlem Capital has a list. They can, they can actually track every black person, not just black, every person of color in America, right? And I think, I don't, I don't think Asians are included on that list. I'm not sure why. I think it's mostly uh, Hispanics and, and uh, blacks. They can track every founder down who's raised a million dollars, right? 
I mean, that's to me, that's just very interesting. So who's going to write the book when everybody right now is in the middle of trying to get their thing? When I was looking for these black um, entrepreneurs who had raised capital to give me some guidance, you know what I realized, Mike? They don't exist. No, they exist. You know what they're doing right now? Right. on a startup because that's what they are. They're startups right now. We need, Mike, you and I will be 70 years old and we and these books will be written then, right? Because they'll be written by you. Right. I'm going to get my book ghostwritten. Okay. And that knowledge will trickle down. This is not, man, we got to start thinking like the Chinese, man. This ain't a 30 year struggle. This is a three. I keep telling folks equality in America. And when I say equality, you got to add in, you know, social, economic, educational, all these types of equality. That's a 700 year endeavor. It's a 700 year endeavor. Biracial, biracial America. Everybody's just this this one blended color. That'll come too. That'll come, and the aliens will come before all that. So we won't have to worry about it. Yeah. Well, man, Mike, that was some good knowledge, man. I appreciate you again coming on here, chopping it up. Let's go out and close this show. First of all, be sure to subscribe and support this podcast by giving us five stars and leaving a review on iTunes. Also, forward this show to anyone in your network who you feel identifies with the subject matter. Be sure to visit www.realdopecoffee.com and support Mike's company. Mike is actually, are we closed out this fundraising round? Is it closed? It's closed. So we've successfully closed our fundraising round. We've raised 107K of our 107K target. Man, we couldn't have done it without y'all. Appreciate y'all, all the love and support you've shown us for Dope Coffee, for Ironbound Boxing, this podcast. You all are the real heroes out there. And all the dope stuff you see us doing, None of it would be possible without your support. And I'm happy to announce that Ironbound Boxing has launched Thrive in collaboration with my man, Mike. Mike is building out his Black Sheep Accelerator, where once we get this youth and young adults educated around entrepreneurship, we teach them how to generate income for themselves and their loved ones. The next iteration of that is pushing them off into a Black Sheep Accelerator led by Mike and his wife, Michelle, where they're actually going to have companies and teach them how to raise 100K as well, right? Absolutely. That's the name of the game. It's uh, lift as we climb, right? Because cause guess what? I'm on my way to raising two mil right now, which means that I have all the skills to help the folks at the rung right before me. Uh, I'm, I'm, man, I'm thankful for what you're doing, honestly, Mike, in terms of having that mindset. I know we got to close out, but having that mindset to uh, empower our youth to make life-changing decisions at this age, right? That's Folks aren't doing this. And so I applaud you for your work, my bro. Yeah, man, we have to. And nobody else is doing it. And even for me with this, like, yo, who am I to launch an incubator? Who am I to teach entrepreneurship? But yo, man, the whole world is shut down. Our economy is hurting here in Newark, right? These kids need something. They need to see a, a light at the end of a tunnel. They need to see a way out of the chaos. And so, you know, me and Mike are kind of raising our hands. We threw together this, this Thrive Accelerator where we're teaching Newark youth and young adults entrepreneurial thought and entrepreneurial leadership. We're giving away 7K in cash prizes, y'all, to split between two age groups, 14 and 17, 17 and 20, uh, 18 and 22. And we're teaching them how to start a business, marketing, small business finance, entre entrepreneurial leadership. And I mean, Mike, this is crazy because you remember we were doing these pitch competitions early on and I used to always be like, man, wouldn't it be great to have stuff like this for our community? And then you kind of look around and you don't see really, you know, a lot of people giving out cash prizes and it's kind of like a, a startup thing. And it's just, it's super humbling. 
with your support to be able to do this. You know, I would have never thought three. I mean, I'm a baby in the game of entrepreneurship. Mike is like six years. He's in the, in terms of entrepreneurship. Mike is at the six year mark. I'm at the three year mark. So for, for me and my team to be able to step in here and host a business pitch competition and give out grants when we're still, I mean, to be honest, we can still benefit from these kind of these grants and these wins, but this is this idea of paying it back, lifting as you climb, because I don't know about y'all, but I'm not trying to get to the mountaintop and being the only one there. I think that was a dream that was sold to us at an early age. This idea, well, if we only get one and I'm like, yo, why? I don't want one. If I got to go up there and be the only one at the top, I'll pass. I want to take my hundred because a hundred people up there, I'm going to feel like I belong. We're going to feel, it's going to be feel very inclusive and we're going to be well positioned to thrive. It's hard to thrive when you're the only one there. That's why we're building this cohort out. We're taking them through this program together. We're mobilizing support around them so that they're not by themselves. So even though we're like, hey, no one's going to save you, don't get it twisted. We're looking out. We got your overwatch. And that's what we're doing with Thrive. And so you can learn more about that by visiting www.ironboundboxing.org. You can donate today to support this initiative. We're going to be running these programs every quarter. Me and Mike got some great ideas about doing pitch competitions across the country um, because it's, it's very needed in our community. Because we got to hit this economic piece, yo. We jump on here. We chop it up. We talk about the social components. And we do these deep dives. But don't get it twisted. Me and Mike are very economically focused around entrepreneurship and uh, small business ownership. So uh, stay tuned for more information on that. Be sure to message me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email at Mike at We Are Ironbound. Special shout out to Mike for co-producing this show. We're probably going to put this out unedited just so we have another episode ready to go for this week. Uh, but we do try to do a better job. What were you saying? I want it raw like this. This is this is actually there's there's a good feel to this. Yeah, some. I mean, we like to dial it up for y'all, get the little music, you know. But also, this is a marathon for us. It's in the sprint. And Mike told me when we first started this podcast, "Yo, Mike, do it in seasons. You know, do your ten episodes, go away, come back season two. I'm like, nah, man, we're gonna keep it going. And uh, it's a hustle because listen, y'all, it's uh, eleven o'clock at night. We still got companies to run tomorrow. We still got 10,000 other things to get done, but this is important to us because this is just a great platform. And I just don't hear, I mean, I've been told a lot of people don't hear the black veteran perspective on the kind of topics we're talking about. No, that's real. Very real. So uh, also shout out to Gifted Sounds Network. My man, Lance John, appreciate you for letting us host this show on your, plat on your platform. Until next time, everyone, peace, love. Have a great rest of your week.